Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. results and controversies from the tennis world today is wednesday august 4th we are packing the courts in dc this week but of course i'm not referring to the federal bench no i am talking about the tennis courts at rock creek park as the 2021 city open officially underway and i know i speak for so many tennis fans here in north america when i say it is an absolute pleasure to have the return of this summer hard court stretch back in our lives we weren't able to attend events such as Atlanta, such as D.C., the Western and Southern Open, the Rogers Cup, of course, ultimately the U.S. Open last summer as all of those events were either canceled or held in the midst of the highs of the pandemic. But of course, this summer, so fortunate that so many of these ATP tournaments have opened up, are going to be allowing fans in the stands, are going to be allowing media on site as well. And I will say I am fortunate enough to have been granted a media credential at this week's City Open. And I've only been there one day so far. My first day was on Tuesday, but let me just say there is an energy on the ground. You can tell, again, I apologize for repeating myself, but how excited everyone is to see the tennis up close in person. And of course, at these events, you get, you know, the Rafael Nadal practice session packed. Everyone is fighting for a spot in those bleachers to be able to watch him play here in Washington, D.C. But then, of course, beyond that, you get guys like Riley Opelka and the Jack Sox of the world, Felix Ogier, Alias. Seam, Yannick Sinner, they're on the practice courts right in front of you, and it feels, I don't want to say there's a tangible quality to it, but there really is a tangible quality that you just, you're missing when you're watching all of the action on TV, and so of course, again, I think that energy on the grounds has contributed to the spectacular level of tennis we've seen thus far through the first two days, and of course, on today's podcast, what I want to do is talk about those first two days at the 2021 City Open, set the scene for what all of you listeners can expect from that event throughout the rest of this week. But of course, that is not your only event on the tennis calendar. It seems fitting. Three WTA events, of course, because there can never just be one. There can never just be two. No, there needs to be three events to really flummox all of us tennis fans. Now, the good news, I suppose, if you're here in North America... 
two of those events are as well. And so, again, in the quest to fill a 24-hour a, a day, seven days a week schedule of watching tennis full-time, we can accomplish that this week between the City Open, the three WTA events. And then, of course, also we've got two ATP challengers this week as well. Again, what I want to do on today's podcast, set the scene for all of those events, talk a little bit about the action that's unfolded thus far, talk to you all about what you can expect from a content perspective, of course, from me at this week's City Open as well. But again, early week podcast here. I do apologize for the lack of mini break show yesterday. I was trying to, you know, just find my bearings on the grounds, trying to figure out what does work, what doesn't work, what time should I be recording, etc., etc. Now, I will point out, had the opportunity to ask a couple of questions yesterday to players such as Felix Ogier Aliasim, such as a Nick Kyrgios, and on and on and on the list goes. And if you want to read those questions, hear from those players, read their answers, you can go find those clips, I suppose, those questions and their responses on my Twitter feed. You can also find them on our website, crackrackets.com. Look for more of those questions and answers, excuse me, throughout the course of the rest of this week. But again, I am going to be on the grounds here at the City Open all week long. Do not be surprised if our coverage on these podcasts skews towards that City Open event. But of course, before I get into all of this week's action, I have to remind all of you listeners that the reason we are able to do this podcast day in, day out here on this show is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over at Tennis Point. You all know the deal tennis-point.com. You will find the best equipment at the best prices. And guess what? The last time I was at Rock Creek Park, as some of you may already know this, I was playing club tennis here, University of Michigan, dual in the district. We ended up winning that title. I don't think I've gotten new shoes since that event. Now, fortunately, I turned to my friends at Tennis Point and said, hey, these aren't looking great. I think it's finally time for me to update since 2017. And they said, Alex, absolutely. And they hooked me up right away. Best Equipments. I've got a fresh pair of Nikes on my feet right now as I'm doing this podcast. You can get a fresh pair as well, or you can get the rackets, the strings, the shirts, the clothing updates you need to ensure your maximum performance on the tennis court. Just go to tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, that's tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com. That promo code is CR15. One other small thing. Got to give a shout out to my former high school doubles partner, Patrick Adams, who is allowing me to stay at his place in D.C. while I cover this city open. Again, folks, doubles partnerships, they last a lifetime. So make sure, you know, you're playing out there. You, you take those relationships seriously because, of course, I would not be able to be here had I not taken that relationship seriously at the time. And, of course, as always, shout out to you, Patrick, for allowing me to stay here throughout the course of the week. But with all of that said, let's talk about this week's action. And let's start with the 2021 City Open, of course, an ATP 500-level event back in D.C. for the first time since 2019. Unfortunately, it was one of those events that was canceled due to the pandemic. And unfortunately, 
We also no longer have women's uh, action at this City Open. Of course, if you remember back to 2019, Jess Pegula, who has been one of the breakout stars on the tour perhaps since that moment, she won the title here at the City Open. But unfortunately, and again, talking around to people, figuring out why that may be the case, turns out that the City Open was just leasing the permit on the calendar from the WTA, from the original owners of this week of play. And what does that mean? In case you're like, what? I don't get it. They're leasing a week. What does that make sense? Well, how the WTA schedule works is various tournament entities, the the companies, the organizers of tournaments, you place bids to try and secure your week on the WTA calendar. For instance, let's say it's the first week of August, right? So you want to bid to host your tournament the first week of August. Well, Octagon, the agency, actually owns the rights to a WTA event here in this first week of August. Now, over these past few seasons, what the City Open was able to do is lease that permit from Octagon. Say, hey, we would like to host an event, take your... uh, Take your time slot in the calendar. We'll obviously pay you a little bit for that time slot, but host a WTA event simultaneously to our ATP event here in DC. And Octagon at the time said, "Go for it! Absolutely, take the week, take it." You know, three years in a row they were able to hold uh, a women's event here at the City Open. But unfortunately, you know, again with COVID coming to a close and just Octagon getting back moving, new events popping up everywhere with these opportunities that have come amidst the pandemic. Uh, the City Open did not renew their lease. On this weekend. So unfortunately, we do not have women's action here in DC. And it is worth noting. That's a question I fielded repeatedly yesterday, and a shout-out to all of you listeners who came up and said hello, and I always appreciate the fact, just in case you listeners don't know, my first name is Alex. Uh, it's always Gruskin, what's up? Like, shout-out to you, and I don't really care. I do love the Gruskin love, but I always tell my dad that, and he's like, do they know your name is Alex, Alex? And so, you know, if you want to say hello, Alex, I don't mind that either, but a shout-out to all of you who came up and said hello. Sincerely, it means the world to me to know that there are tennis fans out there actually listening to these shows and obviously to be back on scene, to be at an event, to get to talk tennis with so many fellow tennis fans. That's exactly why we started this podcast here at Crack Rackets. So to the CR community out there at the City Open this week, A, you're going to see me with my Crack Rackets hat on each and every day. Come up, come say hello, Gruskin, Alex, whatever you want to call me, totally cool. Uh, But B, again, a shout out to all of you who are attending this event uh, because, again, uh, it, it's just so nice to have tennis back in our lives. And with that in mind, let's actually talk about some of the results we've seen unfold over these first two days in D.C. And I think the place we have to start, the player who it feels like we talk about each and every week here on this show, and we've been fortunate enough to have him on our Cracked Interviews podcast a couple of times, and we've been fortunate enough to uh, obviously get pretty close with rising American star Jensen Brooksby. And by the way, I know it's a hot take. I know, what is it, the hot girl summer, whatever it's called. I think it's the summer of the young American male tennis player because you look across the board, whether it's Sebastian Corda, who won his first ATP uh, title earlier in Parma right before the French Open, who's won a couple of challengers this year inside the top 50. His ascension into the top of the men's tennis game, very, very clear cut. But of course, over these past two weeks, it's been Brandon Nakashima, who made the final of Los Cabos, followed that up by making another ATP final in Atlanta. He's won his first match today, or yesterday, I should say, here in D.C. as well. But then you get to Jensen Brooksby, who, of course, is the outliers of outliers. There is nothing traditional 
about the way Jensen Brooksby plays tennis. And yet, you look at the success he is having, it is your typical benchmark success of a 19, 20-year-old player making their ascension towards the top of the men's game. I mean, you look for Jensen Brooksby, who, a reminder to all of you listeners, missed the majority of the 2019-2020 seasons with various different injuries. Of course, in 2020, he was at Baylor. He was scheduled to play a freshman year of college when turf toe kept him out and then of course the pandemic wiped away the rest of that college season now of course Brooksby was probably always going to be a one and done sort of player he was you know a Kalamazoo champion he had won a main draw matches at the U.S. Open prior to coming to Baylor but you look at him this season I mean it's silly how successful the 20 year old has been 36 and 7 overall multiple challenger titles he made its first ATP level final in Newport a couple of weeks ago this week he's into the round of 16 at an ATP 500 at the City Open, getting a little revenge along the way as well. You look for Brooksby. It was a 7-6-6-3 win over Kevin Anderson in round one, a 7-6-7-5 win over hometown favorite Francis Tiafo last night. And I have to say again, for a Tuesday night, ATP 500 match. Again, this isn't, you know, nighttime at the U.S. Open. This isn't a Grand Slam event. This is an ATP 500, a Tuesday night here in Washington, D.C., I'm going to say it was 80% full house. I know they're still doing a couple of things to ensure there's not overcrowding in these stadiums that people aren't on top of each other because, of course, we are still amidst a pandemic, but... That was about as close to full capacity crowd as you can expect for a Tuesday night match, and the energy they contributed to the match undoubtedly rose the level of play we saw unfold. And you just have to give credit to Jensen Brooksby, who, again, it's just time after time after time he's firing in 70%, 75%, sometimes even 80% of his first serves and just everything he does. It's unconventional and yet it's such high percentage tennis. His ability to move the ball around the court. I mean, the forehand wing, yes, there's a lot of moving parts. It's a funky backswing and yet he seems to always make clean contact with the ball. Even when he's stretched on the run in these ridiculous positions on the court, he's going to strike that ball cleanly and at a minimum get the point back to neutral or you know, dip the passing shot low at your feet to guarantee that he'll have a second look at a passing shot. And then again, his ability to fire the lob over your head, his ability to go short angle, his ability to go down the line. He's got all of the tools in the toolbox from a defensive standpoint, but the thing that's impressed me so much in these past two matches for Brooksby, he's faced four break points in his first two matches. He's three of four in fighting off those break point chances, was broken once yesterday against Francis Tiafo. was a break back for Tiafo in that first set, but you know, what you loved for Brooksby yesterday, it wasn't just serves to the Tiafo forehand. It's not your traditional try to overwhelm the big weakness for Tiafo. No, he did a little bit of everything, and it felt like his game plan coming into the match was actually not to just pepper the Tiafo forehand with serves, but actually try to avoid that spot unless it was absolutely necessary, unless it's a 30-all or a 30-40 type of situation, because Look, Francis knows that's where the serve's going, and Francis played a really quality match last night, was locked in physically, was embracing the crowd, was coming up with some ridiculous passing shots of his own, but it's just so hard to win a point against Jensen Brooksby, and I think Francis Tiafo found that out last night, and it was super, super fascinating to see. You know, Francis Tiafo looked like 
Again, he had just run a marathon that his shirt was fully sweat through and just everything on him. He looked drained. Meanwhile, Jensen Brooksby was like, all right, we got three more sets to go, right? We're playing best of nine in today's match. And just the guy makes, he doesn't make unforced errors and he never beats himself. The thing that you love most about Jensen Brooksby, the intangible quality you just can't fake in any young tennis player, his ability to compete. No one competes better than Jensen Brooksby. And again, the backhand, it's a weapon. His ability to drive through that ball down the line, cross court, hit it as a passing shot, hit it as a lob. I thought he did a really good job mixing up his plus one shots off of his serve as well. But more important than anything else, it's the way he competes, the way he finds different solutions, the way he'll come up with these ridiculous stabs, again, that just manage to find their way in the court. And, you know, yeah, he's playing with house money a little bit right now. You look for him again when you're 36 and 7 over a seventh month stretch. You've got all the confidence in the world, and clearly things are clicking for Jensen Brooksby right now, who you look right now in the live rankings. Brooksby, obviously everything for him is a new career high now, but you look for him after this result, new career high, he's up to number 123 in the live rankings. You look for him in the year-end race to Shenzhen, just how many points has he accumulated this year compared to his peers. Jensen Brooksby's accumulated the 57th most points on the ATP Tour. Again, he's ranked 57 in the race. Brandon Nakashima Shima, by the way, 58th. Yeah, for a 20-year-old kid, that's really freaking good. And you look at, of course, the ELO ratings for Brooksby. He's been a guy who's always been playing above his ranking level of late. But for Jensen Brooksby, in terms of his overall ELO, he's right now at number 43. In terms of his 2021 specific results, Jensen Brooksby, number 31. Again, if you're asking me which of those numbers is more accurate, his actual live ranking right now of number 123, his 57 in the race, his top 40 ELO ratings, you probably say it's the 57 number. He's definitely a top 75 guy right now. His results have proven it all year long. When you dominate the Challenger Tour, then you make an ATP final in one of your ATP tournament debuts. You also go to here at the City Open, back up solid wins over a, a solid win over Kevin Anderson with a win over Francis Tiafo. That's a top 75 player, and I, I really do wonder if this is going to be the last season we see Jensen Brooksby competing at the Challenger level because his game is ready. His ranking is ready. The results are ready. Fantastic performance from Brooksby. Certainly your player of the opening two days as he advances to the round of 16 again, 7-6, seven, 7-5 seven, over Francis Tiafa. And it's worth noting, I actually thought Tiafa played a really, really good match. I thought he was super disciplined. He wasn't trying to force things, wasn't hitting, you know, because Brooksby will leave a ball in the center of the court to almost try and bait you to hit an approach shot on a ball you probably shouldn't hit an approach on, and Tiafo didn't take the bait. Tiafo was super disciplined, was waiting for his moments again, at times was out-physicaling Jensen Brooksby and showed the sort of patience you need because, you know, Brooksby's not going to go for the massive winner, and so if you are patient, you will have an opportunity to attack within the rally, but Again, Brooksby doesn't beat himself. He doesn't make unforced errors. He's so locked in physically and mentally right now. He embraced that City Open crowd. He advances. I still think this is going to be a good summer for Francis Tiafo, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him go round of, you know, 16 quarterfinals at one of the Rogers Cup or uh, Cincinnati, and then, of course, 
three out of five sets. That's always been Francis Tiafo's best format, but got to give a shout out to Brooksby. He advances to the round of 16, where now he'll face a matchup with Felix Ogier Aliasim, FAA, a 2 6 6 win over Andreas Seppi, his foe from the 2021 French Open. Of course, Seppi upset uh, FAA in the first round of that Grand Slam and looked like he was going to through set one, but you got to give credit to FAA, who just slowed down. You could see him process after that first set, just kind of be like, you know what? I'm throwing that one out. I only need to win two sets, and if I play my best tennis, I can win two sets solidly, and you look for FA. The first serve percentage rose dramatically over the back half of the match, and he still ends at 55% for the match, which, let's be clear, is not good, Uh, but he was at like 30% in set number one. I do think in the two sets he won sets two and three. Hey, great shot. Uh, He was probably, I would say, in the high 50s, low 60 range in terms of first serve percentage. And, you know, he was winning 77% of those points. Seppi really doesn't have the big weapon to hurt Felix with off of the first serve. And so Felix was able to take big cuts with his forehand on that ball as well. And you all know my thoughts on Felix Ogier Aliasim, who's certainly coming off of that quarterfinal at Wimbledon. Feels like he's got momentum on his side. Uh, you look for FAA right now. He is 28th in the overall ELO ratings here in 2021. He's the 21st player uh, right now in the ATP rankings. Felix inside uh, the top 20. He's currently at a career high of number 15. So, you know, again, well-positioned. He's been the leader of that next-gen 2.0 cohort since he was 12 years old, and certainly, you know, guys like Sinner and Korda are coming to push him now, uh, but I think we're going to see FA respond well, and again, we see him good win coming through some diversity, three set, uh, adversity, excuse me, diversity, coming through some adversity, a uh, three-set win for him, 2-6-6-2-6-2 over Andreas Seppi. That, uh, again, is your bottom half of the round of 16 matchup. We've only got a couple of round of 16 matches uh, set so far. You did see one of the hottest players right now on on the ATP Tour, Cam Norrie continuing his run, 6-4-6-3 over fellow former collegiate standout Marcos Giron of UCLA. I thought Giron played a really, really good match. Norrie just, guy doesn't miss. Guy moves the ball so well around the court. Again, there's a lot of similarities between Brooksby and Cam Norrie and just the way they approach matches, the way they use their physicality and their consistency to outlast opponents. Uh, It was a really nice performance from Giron, but again, just it's really hard to take out Cam Norrie right now, who's physically, mentally just in that perfect nexus of locked in. And so he earns the victory. I have to say, First time watching Sebastian Corda play in person since at least this iteration of Corda. He earns a 5-4 and four win over Vasek Pospisil. Man, <laughs> like, again, every definition of your modern player, Sebastian Corda hits. 6-4, 6-5, easy fluidity as a mover, easy power off of both wings, easy power on the serve. His return puts so many returns in play, and those backswings are so condensed. And, you know, again, the wherewithal of when to move forward, even if he's not the best at executing volleys right now, I think his first volley is good, and I think his instincts at the net are very good, and I think that's all that matters <laughs> when you're 20 years old. The volleys will catch up to the instincts, but Man, super, super uh, impressed by Korda yesterday. 5-4 and four win over Pospisil. And then a little disappointed in Miomir Kesmenovic. He gets knocked off by the always talented Ricardus Barankis 3-2. and two, But I just... Kesmenovic just looked a little lost out there. He just kind of was running and swinging and didn't seem like there was a game plan to attack Barankis with. And look, that'll happen. But uh, again, good victory for Barankis to advance 
to the round of 16. And of course, here on uh, Wednesday, there should be a bunch of fun round of 16 matches across the board. You look at the schedule lined up for today. Rafael Nadal making his City Open debut. He's going to take on wildcard Jack Sock. You've also got some fun contrasts in styles. Tennis Sandgren taking on Lloyd Harris. Obviously, the big serving Harris versus the always physical Sandgren, by the way. Had the chance to ask some questions of Sandgren if you want to check them out. Again, at Great Shout Pod on Twitter, of course. You've got Sasha Bublik taking on Kei Nishikori. That should be a super fun match in which the winner gets Cam Nori. Uh, so that's no fun. Grigor Dimitrov taking on Ivashka. Mackie McDonald, 4-4 four and four win over 2019 City Open champion Nick Kyrgios. Man, do we want to talk about Kyrgios now? I'm going to save that because I'm going to have some conversations with some fellow journalists on site at the City Open. And so today I'm just going to focus on the results. I'll save that storyline for a little bit later. But Mackie's one win away from re-entering the top 100. And for a guy whose hamstring pretty much completely came off of his body in 2019, for him to be back at in the top 100 playing this level, super, super special. Again, a brilliant shot maker. About as close of an approximation to Roger Federer's forehand as you can expect from a mortal human. Uh, but credit to Mackie McDonald, 4-4 four and four again. Just took the ball early, put a ton of pressure, kept Kyrgios off balance. And, you know, Kyrgios had a bunch of break points there to get back on serve in the second set. But Mackie able to come up with big serves at one point. Big serve drop shot combo, which always takes some... Uh, uh, some Cuevos uh, before Mackie, 4-4 four and four now. And to make the top 100, who's he got to beat? 13-seed Benoit pair. Am I wrong for thinking that's a very winnable match? I don't think so. Mackie McDonald, 4-4 four and four over Nick Kyrgios. Your other match is set for uh, tomorrow. Again, a bunch of fun ones about across the board. Dimitrov making his de- uh, premiere at this event against, a uh, debut at this week's event against Ivashka. Fritz Kudla, Nakashima Evans, Sinner Rusevori. That's a Spider-Man meme sort of match. Again, watch Sinner Rusevori. And just, again, Sinner, his hips I perhaps lie a little bit less than Rusevori's do if we're going to invoke Shakira. But, no, that should be super hard-hitting, super fun match. You've also got Stevie J versus Demon Hour, Opelka versus Galan, Emer versus John Millman as well. And by the way, to those of you curious, Deuce Point... I want to say 4-3 or 5-3 maybe in that third set between Elias Emer and Jordan Thompson. And, you know, after the match, there was a bit of a brouhaha, a bit of a scrap between the two. Some words were exchanged. The line judge had to get in between the two of them as some pushing and shoving. Seemed like it was about to begin. Look, I mean, was it a double bounce? Because Emer tracks down a, a Thompson almost drop volley. It was really hard to tell. I mean, Elias Emer is super, super quick. And I mean, the chair umpire is right there. And that's his call to make. And obviously, if you're Emer, you're on a full-on sprint. You don't know exactly, did I get it one ball, did I get it two? I mean, maybe he does know, and that was the source of anger for Thompson. But he genuinely thought, he wasn't sure, and he thought he got it in one. The chair umpire thought he got it in one. From my vantage point, it might have been one and a half bounces. Like, if that ball didn't bounce a second time, it was about as close to bouncing a second time as it could have. But again, Jordan Thompson, you've been in the game. You understand how this works. You think he's going to concede that point at 4-3 or 5-3, whatever it was, in the third set? You're crazy. And again, that anger's got to be directed at the chair umpire, not at your opponent. Certainly, you would hope if it was a double pounce, Emer, in the spirit of sportsmanship, would say, hey, it's your point, but come on. 
We're, let's be adults here. That's not going to happen. There's money on the line. There's ranking points on the line. If Emer's going to get the free point, he's going to take the free point. Again, I don't even know if it was a double bounce or not. It certainly was close, though. And again, I just wanted to let you all know that was the reason for the little tiff between the two players. But again, should be a super, super fun day three of this city open. And whether it's just the food on the grounds, whether it's all of the people on the grounds, the conversations we get to have, the practice courts, just the atmosphere, the energy... Feels like tennis is back here in North America, and obviously that is super, super exciting news for all of us tennis fans. But speaking of being back, I mean, yes, we all do have the privilege now to attend tennis events such as the City Open, such as the San Jose's of the world, which I want to talk about momentarily, and all of these North American hardcore events, and all that comes in the theme of, look— Slowly but surely, hopefully, this pandemic will start to wind down, and hopefully we'll be able to do things again like go see tennis events with our friends or go to the bar or just do all the different things that normal humans love to do. And I'll tell you what, maybe this isn't something you talk about with your friends, but I'll tell you what every normal human is doing is they're grooming themselves, even in the areas you don't want to talk about publicly. And thankfully, you don't have to think about it anymore because that's where our friends at Manscaped come in, and all of you listeners well aware manscape the best in the business in providing for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs, you already know. They've launched not the 1.0, not the 2.0, not the 3.0, but the Lawnmower 4.0, a precision, precisely engineered tool, I should say, for your family jewels. And look, over 2 million men worldwide trust their below-the-waist grooming needs to Manscaped. If it's good enough for them, it's probably good enough for you as well. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping on all Manscaped products by using our promo code NEWBALLSPLEASE at Manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at Manscaped.com. Again, I won't tell you about my personal grooming habits. None of you want to hear that. I will say this. Heading to D.C., I'm hoping to enjoy the city, hoping to go out a little bit, see some friends I haven't seen in a while, and I want to be prepared just in case everything breaks my way. I trust all of my below-the-waist grooming needs to Manscaped. You should as well. Best in the business, 20% off, and free worldwide shipping with the code NEWBALLSPLEASE at Manscaped.com. Again, that's NEWBALLSPLEASE at Manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. Manscaped.com. The promo code is new balls, please. With all of that said, let's get into uh, some of the other North American action that perhaps some of you will be able to attend if you are in the area. We'll start with the 500 level event in San Jose. And I have to say, people on the grounds, I won't call out a certain journalist. He knows who he is, uh, who was saying, oh, the field in San Jose is pretty weak. It is not weak at all. You look at the top seed, number one seed, Elisa Mertens, who of course was your 2020 WTA wins leader, who is number 17 right now in the rankings and just seems to always be in the mix at these sort of events. She's your top seed, but of course, your number two seed is one of the hottest players right now in the women's game in Elena Rabakina. Rabakina, you know, fourth, uh, second week, I should say, at both uh, Roland Garros and Wimbledon. She then makes the semifinals of the Olympics, unfortunately finishes in fourth at the Olympics, but again, rides that momentum from the natural surface swing into the hardcore stretch. And look, hard courts have always been her best surface. She's got the highest win percentage of her career on the surface. Her power-centric game certainly makes a ton of sense. And she's a dark horse in every sense of the world. Be ready for 
all of the basic Twitter accounts to say, you know who my dark horse is entering the U.S. Open? Elena Rabakina. No one talks enough about the success Rabakina is having. Well, guess what? We do talk enough about the success Rabakina is having here at Crack Rackets. And so certainly, she's probably your favorite entering the event, just given her level of late. She's your number two seed, of course. Again, up and down the board, though. We did have, unfortunately, Veronica Kudermatova forced to pull out of this event, but your number three seed here, Madison Keys. She's going to take on Shui Zhang in the first round. Shui Zhang knocking out Radikainu, the talented young British player, in the first round. You've also got your fourth seed, Daria Kasatkina, who, of course, has won multiple titles and made multiple finals here in this 2021 season. But Again, a bunch of dangerous players everywhere in the draw. Even your, you know, your your elsewhere in your seeds. You've got a Danielle Collins who's coming off of a clay court title from just a few weeks ago. You've got Yulia Putin Seva coming off of a clay court title just a few weeks ago. You've got an Alia Tamjanovic coming off of that big Wimbledon run. You've got, you know, obviously just again up and down the board. So many different players who are capable of doing damage here this week. Of course, you've got the return of Diana Yastremska. She is back once again. Really fun match. Matchup. Uh, I believe she lost her first round matchup to Claire Liu, but that was a super, super fun match. You know, uh, Sloane Stevens knocks out Katie McNally. You've got Anna Konya, that always talented, former top 20 Croatian, working her way back from injury. Three set win from her, really tricky, over Marie Buzkova, but that's actually kind of a great litmus test win. Kind of nice to see here. Okay, I can I can handle the Buzkova test in terms of the physicality. Fantastic to see from her moving forward. Hopefully, again, she's one of the players we will all circle this summer. And David Kane and I actually spent, I think, like five minutes talking about her in our Players to Watch podcast. So if you missed that, go hop on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. But again, a good win for Tomjanovic. Comes back from dropping down a uh, 6-1 first set. I believe fights off match points to knock off Amanda Nisimova. And then again, just up and down. Again, Mertens, Rabakina, Konya. Uh, Cl- this is this is a Crack Rackets event. You've got that perfect nexus, next-gen WTA talent, a bunch of players in the mix, a bunch of players who can absolutely make noise here in the summer hardcourt stretch. So that's your 500-level action happening in San Jose. We've also got, I believe, a 125 this week happening in Concord. You look, it is indeed a 125. And unfortunately, you had a couple of withdrawals uh, from the event heading in, but you look up and down the board, your top seed is actually second-seeded Suwei C, who earned a first two round win 2-2 two and two and now has a tricky matchup with ITF Circuit superstar Beatrice Haddad Maya. Of course, you look up and down the board, Madison Brangle, your number three seed. She's taken on Texas freshman standout Lulu Sun, who earned a first round win over Kurumi Nara as a wild card in this event. Shout out to Usue Arcanada. She continues to have a pretty good summer. She knocks out I want to say finalist from last week's Charleston event in Jamie Loeb. You look up and down the board. You're upsets on the day. You're only seeds to be knocked out with number six seed Christina McHale knocked out in this event. And then number five seed Lauren Davis knocked out by the always talented wild card Katrina Scott and of course Katrina Scott I believe 17 years old already a top 300 player in the world she is going to be one of your favorites to capture the girls 18s national championships in San Diego next week and of course with that San Diego title would come a wild card into the U.S. Open you know she's got that on her mind really really impressive I mean watch Katrina Scott play the talent becomes evident immediately uh, but again, should be a fun draw in Concord. Certainly they, not quite as loaded as the 500 level in 
in San Jose, but, you know, up and down the board, plenty of storylines to monitor. You've got, you know, Americans like Grace Min, who knocked off former Gonzaga standout Sophia Whittle, uh, 7-6-6-1 in her first-round match. You've got Vavar Lepchenko here in the draw. Caroline Dalahide, a first-round win over Robin Anderson, and that Dalahide katrina Scott second-round matchup. If you're an American women's tennis fan, one to absolutely circle and put on your calendar for here on Wednesday. But again, that is your action over in Concord. Let's move lastly to the 250 happening in Romania. And don't worry, you were worried that there wasn't going to be a clay court event this week. There absolutely is a clay court event happening over in Romania. You look top seed Alize Cornet knocked out in the first round by former Pepperdine Wave standout. One of the rising stars over the past, I would say, year and a half. Not rising stars, that's too... That's too extreme. But one of the breakthrough stars, a player who has truly done, uh, gone above and beyond to solidify herself towards that top 100 of the WTA rankings. Of course, I'm talking about former 25, uh, 25-year-old former Pepperdine standout Meyer Sharif, who earns that straight set first round win over Alize Cornet. You look for uh, Sharif right now. She's currently 17, or now 18 and 15 overall here in the 2021 season. But again, she's five off of her career high ranking of 114, which she reached at the start of this year. 37 and 21 overall in her last 52 weeks success at both the 25, 60K, 100K level, of course, at the WTA level as well. You look at some of the runs she's had. Uh, she, you know, she ends up making quarterfinals in Bastad. She's, you know, uh, qualified, I believe, and won round at the Australian Open earlier this year as well. So for Sharif, big jump here in her age 25 season and, you know, earns the big win, probably the win of her career over Alize Cornet in the first round. And now she's got a matchup with the dangerous wild card out of the Philippines, Alexandra Iela. And if you follow junior tennis closely, you know Alex Iela has been one of the young players to watch ascending in the women's game. She's the, you know, won, I believe, the Australian Open junior doubles title uh, earlier this season and, you know, has been a top 10 women's, uh, top 10 player in the mix in the junior rankings. I want to say semifinalist of junior French Open back in the day. And I think she actually won the junior French Open in doubles this year as well. But, you know, again, uh, keep an eye out on her, certainly, because a uh, talented young player, will she go to college? Will she not? Given she's a multi-time double slam champion, there's Definitely a place for her in college tennis, but if the singles ranking can get to a certain extent, then perhaps she can avoid that pathway altogether. Good win for her now in a very winnable match against Meyer Sharif in that round of 16. You look elsewhere in the draw. Couple of upsets on day number one. Your four seed Martina Trevisan knocked out four and four by Christina Pliskova. You also had number 17, uh, seven seed Victoria Tomova knocked off by Mikhaila Buzanarescu, uh, two and three as well. Good win for Kaya Yuvan, good win for Anna Bogdan. Ooh, Elena Gabriela Russa, who has been one of your superstars of the WTA Tour of late. She's knocked out by Alicia Tsarenko. You can just understand Russa's played so much tennis over these past few weeks. But again, uh, your upsets on the day. Again, your five, four seed Trevisan, five seed Russa, and your seven seed Tomova. Other than that, things pretty steady thus far through the action in Romania. That's what's happening on the WTA Tour this week. Three events against San Jose. Jose, Concord, Romania. Between those three, City Open. On those events alone, you get your 24-7 fill of tennis this week. But of course, have a couple of ATP challengers as well. Only two this week, which feels like a scale down from the three to six we've seen every week over these past, it feels like eight weeks of the summer. But you look, two events, one in Italy, the other 
happening this week in the Czech Republic. We'll start with the event in the Czech Republic right now. As I'm recording this Wednesday morning, Malik Jaziri, Mark Pullman's both advancing to the quarterfinal round. You've also got Botik Vendesen, Sculp, advancing. He's going to take on now Alex Richard, who has probably the two wins of the week on the challenger level. He beats Yuri Lechechka after qualifying for the event in three sets, and then he knocks out former Wake Forest rival Borna Gojo 6-3 in the third set today. Big hitting between him and Vendesen, Sculp, headed for that quarterfinal matchup. So excited for that. You talk about the quarterfinals you're going to see today. It's Matrasek versus Safwat, uh, Vrsina versus Mokan, Matrasek versus Miljevic. That match guaranteed to be a grind. And then Evan Furness versus uh, Gerald Meltzer. That's what's going on in the Czech Republic. Over in Italy, Serendolo, Francisco, I should say, not Juan Manuel, advancing to the quarterfinals where he's going to take on Julio Zepieri. You've also got uh, a bunch of round of 16 matches slated for today. Some of the notable players we talk about here frequently. You know, Marcelo Thomas Barrios Vera, who we saw compete at the Olympics. He's been one of the challenger superstars this year. He's in action. Marc-Andre Hussler's in action. Fun matchup between Zdenek Kolar, Juan Pablo Varias, two young players, challenger superstars. Again, that match guaranteed to be a grind. Tomas Martin, Echeverry still alive. Diego Tarante still alive as well. So, of course, some of those young generations. We talk about the young Argentinians quite frequently here on the show. They're going to have a chance to shine this week at the challenger level. But that's all of your action happening across the professional tennis world. City Open, the big and the only ATP-level event this week. That's the 500. And, of course, again, I will be here all week long covering that event in person. Hopefully going to get some one-on-ones we'll be able to share with you on the Cracked Interviews podcast. But just be on the lookout for all of that content. And, of course, again, throughout the week, Mini Break Podcast, Great Shot Podcast. Going to try to talk with as many fellow journalists as I can on the grounds. Be on the lookout for all of that content as well. And as always, if you have missed any of it, you can catch up on everything on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff for the fuck of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15. It's new balls, please, at Manscaped for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. And then, of course, again, the last shout-out has to go to my former high school doubles partner, Patrick Adams, who had to listen to all 40 minutes of this mini-break podcast and is probably thinking, oh my god, that's what you do for a living? That is way worse than I expected. But, of course, thank you to him, as always, for hosting me. But with all of that said, be on the lookout for these podcasts day in, day out, as we try and keep all of you listeners up to date on everything that's happening in the tennis world. And so, for our wonderful super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point and Manscaped, for my former doubles partner, Patrick Adams, and for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.